Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. Today, we are talking all things estates management. Claire joins me to share her seven top tips to manage your site both safely and efficiently. We are talking site managers, systems, and schedules, as well as why being nosy can be a good thing. You'll definitely need a pad and a pen for this one. Let's dive in. On today's episode, I'm joined by Claire Walters. Claire is an academy business manager at a special school for those with autism and moderate learning difficulties. She previously worked in a mainstream high school as an assistant SBM and before that worked for Sainsbury's in national roles such as commercial manager, retail implementation manager and customer services manager. Claire has a degree in humanities, achieved her CSBM in 2014 and is currently studying for her level seven certificate in school financial and operational leadership. Claire is married with two boys and a very fluffy dog and says making sure she laughs every day at work keeps her sane. She loves to attend live music events and her claim to fame is that she nearly tripped up Wayne Rooney at a stereophonics after show party. But today we're talking about estates management, specifically seven tips for good estates management. Welcome Claire. Hello Laura, thanks for having me. Estates management. Now as a business manager there are bits (laughs) of the job that we love and there are bits of the job that we hate. Absolutely. Maybe hate's a bit strong. Maybe hate's a bit strong. Okay, but bits of the jobs we prefer and bits of the jobs we don't prefer doing. Um, yes. And I think estates management is probably one of the ones I was like, it's part of the job. I need to get it done. So today I think is really important. If that's any business manager out there who's thinking estates management isn't my thing or I've not got a clue or I'm really not a fan of it, it's really important we talk about it. Tell me about your journey with estates management. I would definitely say that my time at Sainsbury's has Im- supported my knowledge in estates management because that ended up kind of being a core role towards the end so all different types of buildings on all different areas with different types of contractors you just kind of learn by experience really in time and you do really get an instinct for it and be able to sort of smell out where you think there are issues Um, and I definitely think that has helped me over the years Uh, so very natural when it came into school buildings which, mm. you know, historically can be quite old buildings. There's various add-ons over the years. And also retention as well. You know, you don't always have the same business manager or caretaker or head teacher in the school all the time. So it's really important that business managers get that handover and understand and know their building. Yeah, I think continuity is important. And like you say, if you aren't you know, used to estates management or you've got no experience of it, I think it can be quite intimidating because you're expected to know these things. Absolutely. And you certainly don't have to be an expert in all of these areas. You just need to have an understanding and be able to access the certificates and know when things are due for a new or when, you know, work is to be carried out or scheduled. And that's the absolute key to it, really. Um, you just it's, it is really the overview that will help you and knowing what to look out for, and spotting danger signs as well. Um, There's experts there. There's always a contractor, and you've got your site managers and caretakers as well, you know, so Mm. you're not on your own doing this, but it really is having that that helicopter view of what is going on in your building. So that's what we're talking about today, isn't it? You've got seven tips from all your experiences and all the work that you've done that you can share with business managers that can help them feel a bit more reassured and know where to look if they don't know anything already. Hopefully, I'll give it my best. Okay, let's go. Tip number one, where we're going first. Right, okay. First one, I love this one, is being nosy. Okay, the (laughs) nosier you are, the better. Be the irritating person who's asking the questions. You know, you must ask the questions and you must probe. Um, So getting to know your site manager is really important. But the simplest questions like, where are the keys to this cupboard? What's that alarm code to that one? How do I get into this cupboard here or, or into that room there? I work in a fairly small school, so it I am a little bit Mr. Ben, where I pop up <laughs> everywhere with different hats on. So I could be unblocking a toilet or I could be writing a contract or I could be ordering a new minibus. That's what I love about the job. We do so many varied jobs every day. The time goes really fast and it's really, really excited and varied. Um, But you need to know your building. So, Mm. you know, if you're in a large mat, I would say maybe ask for entry into an unused cupboard 
and see how easy it is to get in there. You know, check your response to the question as well. You know, how is that received? Is it received well? Is it received? Oh, why are they asking? It would show you then if there's a systematic key control in place to get it. Mm. Are those keys labelled? Is there a huge bunch of keys that the caretaker has that it takes them 10 minutes to get into Mm. a cupboard or a part of the building? You know, these things do suggest the management of the building and it's looking out for these little subtle areas of how well the building is managed. So I would ask a lot, a lot of questions, you know. Can you then share best practice across the schools to support maybe a less organised school as well? If the response is great, oh, you want to get into here? Well, yeah, that's key number seven and I've got it listed here. I'll take you straight to it. Or or if it takes 10 minutes to find it, you're starting to get a little picture of how well estates management is organised within your school. I'd say the other thing to be nosy about is to where your shutoff points are, you know, your key ones of water, gas, electric. Literally, where is the stopcock to your school? How do you turn the electricity off? It's absolutely key if there was an emergency and you needed to do it or a localised problem as well um, that you know where you are. And it's also not enough that the caretaker knows. You know, you need yeah. to know, too, that the senior leadership team need to know as well that these access to these things. Other questions would be, where's your health and safety policy? Where's your site plans? I remember coming to my school and we wanted to do a big building project. And the first question that the contractors are is they want to see the site plans, where all the pipe work is underneath, you know, yeah. um, tree surveys, things like that. And I found a box in the loft, really archaic, you know, dusty smelling plants. And I've scanned them all and I've put them into a folder on our network because it just makes it so much easier because it it does sort of show you where these key things are. And you won't come across this in your day to day job at all. So, you know, really important. You, you know where the site plans are. These are the kind of things that you like say you don't know you need to know until you're asked and you realise. I don't know it and I have no idea how I'm going to find it. So taking the time to find it in your own time is better, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you can do it on your own time. And so it's a bit like that swan approach. Yo, you want the site Mm. plans? Not a problem. Just have them right here as if, you know, you've always known that they were there rather than nobody knows that you've been scratching about in the loft the previous summer, you know, getting dusty and looking through different things. You will be asked and you will need them at some point. For, for a variety of different reasons. So it's important to have them as well. Your building should also then list all your fire exits and extinguishers. So a simple plan of the build of, you know, classroom numbers uh, that will help where your fire extinguishers are. And that has to be listed. It will also help where your burglar alarm sort of entry points and zones are as well. I remember a fire alarm going off once and it just said, class nine now we don't label up our our classes in numbers you know they've got names so it's quite dangerous to go we don't know where class nine is so that led me to listing going through the panel and listing if it says class nine that actually means I don't know the staff room or something like that you know so when it's an emergency you know you you must plan for an emergency really and when the alarms are going off and you need to know where it is you can go straight to it and you're saving time. Things like, you know, do your cleaners have a cosh register? Let's have a look at your risk assessments. Who does the fire drills? How does your CCTV work? So who locks your building at night? You know, are these things I would ask listed in your business continuity plan? The things like the stopcock and the gas and the electric. You should have a business continuity plan. Just what to do in the case of emergency we have like different scenario cards for different events and it covers a really wide range of things. There's been some recent cyber attacks in our local area and this goes off a little bit, but what would your, what would your, how would your school run if you didn't have internet for two weeks? And that's the Mm. reality of the timescale that if you did have a cyber attack, that you don't have the internet for a couple of weeks, it wouldn't just be an afternoon or a couple of days. So we've just added that to our business continuity plan. And it's also about your service schedule. So when was your boiler last serviced? Um, When was your Lola completed on your lifts? I remember going on a course 
that the RPA had done, which is like the government insurance scheme for academy schools. And we went on this and they were talking about Lola. And I was like, oh, no, I don't know what that is. And you, Who's that? You just, yeah, <laughs> you know, is it Lola? Is it Lola? Um, I don't even know how to say it. So I know I'm definitely not doing it. And you, and they explained it all, all what you should be doing. And you go straight back to your school and you go and book a Lola and you, you plan it in. It's got to be done every six months if you have any passenger lifts in your school and any kind of lift at all, not passenger as an annual thing. So not only do you have to have it serviced, you then have to have it Lola safety tested as well. And I didn't know mm. that. So that you do come across these things. And I'm always very open to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'll find out and I'll get it done. Much better to say that you don't know something, find out how you can get to know it and then implement it, which yeah. I think is far safer and explainable than just going, yeah, no, I don't think we're going to need that. So we just move on to something else. Are there any, I say, crib sheets or checklists or useful documents that, you know, I get asked this a lot. Where can I find what it is that I need to know? You know, the, the list of documents that I need, the list of checks that need to be done and how often. Where can we find these things? Yeah, and there are a lot on the Internet. The key and the school bus are very good sources of information. But also, if you're going to get checklists from an Internet source, I would recommend you use the same source. So if you're going to use the key, always use the key. The Bible for me would be the HSE, Health and Safety Executive website, because you know that's the law. That's the current yeah. legislation. And that's what you absolutely have to follow. Because if things go a little bit pear-shaped, you could get a visit from a health and safety inspector. And, it, mm. you know, that's the law that they will be quoting as well. So, you know, you can devise your own checklists from you know from your schedules that you have in school but that there is a lot of information out there and use your networks you know use your SBMs around you I love a checklist but also I always always do a half-termly walk and I look around my building and we come on to that a little bit later but yeah you know an opening and, and shutting checklist every day for a caretaker that's done it for 17 years probably isn't worth the paper that it's written on, really, because they are doing it. They're living and breathing it. Um, mm -hmm. A termly checklist or a biannual and an annual checklist for your senior leaders. There's some really good out ones there. We have um, we use a health and safety consultant and they offer some very good checklists, too. But, you know, they do have their place and there's a lot out there. So I would just do a bit of Google. So be nosy again, basically ask the yeah. questions and reach out to your networks to find Absolutely. what you need. Absolutely. You know, it's not enough that your site manager knows it. You have to be aware of it, too. And, you know, never assume that the tasks and the service schedules are being done. Um, you have to see it yourself. OK, so that's tip number one. Be nosy. What's tip number two? I would say tip number two would be know your site manager. And I just call it site manager rather than keep saying site manager, caretaker, but know your mm -hmm. site manager. It's very, very important that you develop a relationship with your site manager. When you first start, if you're new into a school, read the contract, read their job description. What hours do they work and does it suit the school? Who do they line manage? Do they line manage the cleaners? And, and how is that being managed at the moment? Talk to them every day. What are their plans for the week? Um, give them a budget if you feel, you know, that that's what they need. Um, give them a health and safety budget. Give them a, a building improvements, general repairs budget. Some really warm to that and really engage in that process. Others don't really want to know. They just want to get things fixed and then move on to the next task. Most site managers, it's a different skill set completely. Mm. Admin and organisation for school business managers, it, I think, will probably be quite natural. You know, first instinct, open up a spreadsheet, do a checklist. But, you know, site managers, they're a different um, kettle of fish, aren't they? And they deal with yeah. buildings and the lands. And, you know, so it's it's taking your strength and taking their strengths and, and building together to forge, forge a strong relationship. I like that. Like you say, in that business managers bring something to the table site managers bring something to the table how can you best work together to get done what needs to be done absolutely use your strengths and weaknesses together to forge that working pattern because that will just simply benefit your school 
and the building mm. you know this is your work environment this is where our students come in it's it's really really important the other thing I would say about knowing your site manager is then knowing the cleaners and they're absolutely mm. invaluable part of the team and they're so so important in looking after your school um you know, it is part of the discussion about a previous podcast where we've talked about procurement. So we've talked yeah. about how to procure a great cleaning team, but it really is valuable. And it and it what carries on from that really is that communication and checking mm. in and feeding back and, and doing some regular cleaning audits and telling them, you know, if they're if they're missing some cobwebs or things like that. And it is walk walking through the building from a cleaning perspective mm. as well and of course with covid it's so current at the moment and we've had to spend such a lot of money on extra ppe extra cleaning materials the cost of sanitizer skyrocketed you know at the start of the yeah. pandemic so if your stocks were good at the start that would stand you in good stead not only look at your cleaning stock i would say is look to see how that stock is managed you know where's mm. it left is it all in one place? Is it like left on the floor? Have you got paper towels on the floor? Is it on pallets? Is there reams and reams of it? You know, boxes and boxes of paper towels. How often is an inventory taken? And this forms part of being nosy and asking lots of questions, you know, because I say, whoa, years worth of paper towels there. Are we sure we need that? Was, was that a good order? Good requisition? Good use of resources? So, I, you know, I would look at that. Is it locked away? Does it have restricted access? You know, even how we manage the caretaker's tools as well. And they might be a bit prickly if you start to ask them, you know, how many drills and shovels that they have. But it's really important that, you know, that you're not just managing the site manager or the cleaning materials and the amount of sort of, you know, detergents that we have, that you are looking after and you know what tools are in your place in your school is a just a simple register kept of the items how many snow shovels are you buying nearly 40 percent of employers have stolen from their employer over every single workplace and i've dealt with a lot of incidents of that type while as at sainsbury's um and it's really really difficult but you have to you know this is public money you have to keep a record of the items that you're using because they are portable mm. and they are really valuable so another key area about knowing your site manager well is what skills do they have? Some caretakers have evolved from cleaning staff. So a person who used to open up and now does a bit more as the years ago on. I guess it's a bit like how the SBM role has evolved over the years as well from someone being a bursar or came in and did a bit of admin and, and now they're a school business leader. Site managers are the same. So do they have the skills to do the job? And that could be quite tricky as well uh, and quite a, a point of frustration for many school business managers. They have a great, reliable, um, never poorly site manager, but can't really fix a lot of the problems. And so yeah. you end up bringing in expensive contractors, you know, to change a tap. And that's not a good use of, of school resources either. And that can be quite, quite, I would say, quite common. And also quite difficult to manage as well. So, you know, training is key. There's lots of great training sites in there. You know, I've got a really good site manager who's got a lot of skills, uh, an expert layer. And then I've worked in the past with a whole array of different, not just caretakers and site managers, but people uh, with a different array of skills and, and what they can bring to it. You know, I've worked with those who didn't know what PTFE tape was which is plumbing tape. Mm. Um, and even I know that a leaky tap could just have a bit of PTFE tape wrapped around it, you know. And the budgets are really tight, so you've really got to look after every penny and spend it well. There's some really good IOSH courses for school business leaders and for site managers out there too. So I really would look at that. You could do a one-day IOSH course for head teachers and school business leaders. There's a little test at the end and it you know it's all good it's it's very commonsensical and there's mm. a four-day IOSH course for site managers out there as well um that can be offered which is you know I would say a really really good investment of your time I know there'll be some business managers listening to this who are probably nodding and saying that's great 
but I'm having difficulty with my site manager. I think we're going to come on to that in a bit, aren't we? Yeah, it is one of the tips, really. You know, when all else fails, ultimately, you would have to performance manage them and try and see, is it a will issue? Is it a training issue? So, yeah, I think it's quite common, really. You've got some really great, very highly skilled site managers but are quite unresponsive to requests and the probing of the, when was the boiler serviced? When is the fixed wiring test due? How much did you pay for that? Did you get a quote? And can be quite defensive because it's their building yeah. too. So a course, and it's kind of just dealing with that really. You're asking the questions and that's better that you're asking rather than a health and safety inspector asking. Mm. senior leadership team go in and they do observations and they check on the quality of teaching in readiness for the the Ofsted and also that we have good outcomes for our pupils and it's exactly the same. So effectively what we're saying is that the relationship with the site manager is just as important as where all the you know the bits and pieces are around the building and how the tools are managed it's that developing that relationships and when you're asking the questions they aren't defensive or they do feel that they can open up to you if they don't know something or they haven't done something yeah it's really really important that you do have the open dialogue with them I think you know I can have a chat with them and it does also make it easier as you go on to do the walks with them and I'd say it's really important to walk along with them and that goes down to another tip a bit later on um, but it's talking every day every day you know how was opening up today how's locking up do you need any sanitizer you know how's things uh, it, you know we've had a, a recent spell of really heavy rainfall has that impacted on your building at all is there an area that's yeah. pooling water have a walk around and have a chat you know that it's not it's not to be threatening or accusing of anything at all you're all in it together and you all want good outcomes and you want the building to be safe and, you know, last for a very, very long time. And unfortunately, a lot of our schools are quite dilapidated and they do need that TLC from all of us, you know, from from picking up the litter as you walk by to reporting something that you thought was dangerous. We're all in this together. I really like what you've said about walking with the site manager and experiencing it with them because, I think sometimes, you know, especially as business managers, we get really busy and it's easy just to boil things down to a meeting once a week, isn't it? You know, mm. or let them come to you ad hoc. Whereas if they feel that you're interested and you're involved and you're taking the time to ask them questions and to go and see things that they think are important and th that will be important, obviously. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And also you, you get a good nose for things as well. So if you're getting told things and you're like, hmm. I'm actually sure that's quite true because when I've walked past that electrical panel, it's it's got a load of uh, cardboard boxes in front of it or a wet mop and bucket in front of an electrical mm. panel. So it goes from, you know, probably one of the key messages, don't accept things at face value, see it for yourself, you know, and you could be told that everything's great and rosy in the garden and yet you've got fire doors wedged open or fire exits blocked and poor practice. Mm. And you need to see that and you need to kind of point it out. And it's not in a in a bossy way. It's just, oh, you know, maybe we could uh, remove that now and we have a look at that if, if you need some extra storage space, you know. And it could be a problem that actually does need a contractor or a change in process or, or you know, reevaluating how a room is stored. You and the site manager, I think if you treat your school like you would your own home, then that is a great start for good estate management. Okay, so we've done tip number one, be nosy. We've done tip number two, know your site manager. What's tip number three? Tip number three is get a good fault logging system. So an expedient way for staff to be able to report faults and jobs that they want fixing. There also has to be a way that you know that these are being responded to in a timely manner. Now, whether you use a book, a software, a special email, Ask yourself and ask your staff, is it working for you? Is it getting used? Is it effective? It's difficult and it's not acceptable if job requests come through as, as you pass by in a corridor going, oh, by the way, there's a toilet leaking. If that works, again, it's fine. It, it's the old adage, if it's not broke, you know, don't, don't change it. But it's fine if that request gets remembered and prioritised. But what if it doesn't? Mm. Whatever system you use, then if it works, then keep it. But 
it has to be transparent and it has to be wider than more than one person. So it's not enough that, you know, only the site manager knows about it or within that conversation because it affects other classes, it affects the other staff in school and it affects the children as well. So it's really, really important. There's also the thing is, you know, if if there is a wider list out there and it's transparent and uh, everyone can see it, if the site manager goes long term sick or they leave, there's some kind of handover. And there is also Mm. you see a pattern of what kind of jobs need regularly repairing or break quite often. You know, so if you're constantly, Mm. you know, that there are toilet, there is a toilet leaking. It might lead to some pipe work further down you know in another part of the building things like that um Mm. some schools also maybe have a split shift site manager so they may not be there at all times of the day when they open up and close up so they may not be there for you to tell them that there's a problem so if there's a really good fault logging system that you can do that even if it's a diary on their desk and you can write it in then it's visible and it's measurable as well and that's really key if you need to set specific smart targets in a performance management situation yeah because then you can track it um i use 365 planner um and that's just me it just suits me because i have a little app on my phone so if i remember something in the evenings i can just add it onto my planner and then i can forget about it and i know it'll be there on my computer the next day um our site manager has it too so if he gets asked things in the corridor he can just add it onto his planner list Now, the 365 planner, it sorts it into buckets. So my job, I'm PA, I'm business manager, I do HR, I do finance, you know, I do a little bit of everything. So I have a kind of to-do list for each section, all in one planner, and it's called a bucket. And you can set Mm -hmm. a due date, you can set, uh, invite other people to it, you can add attachments, and it's really useful. I simply use it to, like, you know, replace glass in soft play or something like that to do it. And then if I feel really, really overwhelmed and I've got lots of tasks, I just put a filter on and I look at my late tasks and I just plod through the late tasks. You can only do one job at a time. So it really helps my sort of organization and my mental health almost because you can say right these are my list it's a huge list but let's just do one job at a time and your site manager can do the same they can look and they prioritize and it's visible so you can see it as well and things you know it's really common that someone will say oh can you empty that bin or could you you know get me some more sanitizer it's just being organized and just remembering it is there a preference do you think in terms of reactive maintenance like things like you've said you know there's there's something leaking right now or plan maintenance of you know this needs you know it's six weekly check or whatever it is and then obviously your bigger development projects do you have different systems for different types of site work yeah I do and it I we come onto that when we talk about tip four as well about having like a, a service maintenance schedule so the fault logging is probably the more reactive things that need to be fixed right. and repaired throughout the day As part of the planner, if you do want to add some more long-term strategic jobs, you could add a bucket for Easter jobs, summer jobs, um, such as like, you know, get a quote to replace a carpet or book in a painter over the, the, you know, the first week of August and things like Mm. that. So it's useful to do the long-term things as well as the reactive things. But I talked through in another tip coming along that it's really important to have a service maintenance schedule too. Um, Some big mats may use uh, the services of a reactive contractor. And again, it's asking the question is, you know, if you do that, what is the SLA time? Are those SLA times being met? And how do they prioritise? Are their priority stages match your priority stages as well? And does that need a discussion? and regular meetings all part of good contract management and the procurement process really that's been talked about before you know are you getting value for money for that reactive contractor you are the customer and Mm. I've I've been a customer service manager and it's always still at the forefront of, of what I do in my job um should be getting value for money and challenge it and push back if you feel like you're not getting good service 
because you deserve good service and it's really important. I just want to come back to the app for a minute that you were speaking about because it, it's good, isn't it? Obviously, it makes sense logistically to have that information and to, and to collect it and to review it and know what's going on. But it probably also helps the relationship with the site manager, doesn't it, in terms of, you know, you know where they're up to, what's going on, if they've got a particular busy day or there's other jobs coming up that they might need some support with. It probably helps that too, doesn't it? Absolutely, very much so. And you can kind of see what their workload is as well and whether it's building up to a point. You know, if you can see a list of jobs being done, you know straight away whether that's achievable or not and it might just be to say look you know rather than doing a walk as well just can we just have 10 minutes and just have a look at this workload you've got because you know it it's huge why don't we can we share the load can we get somebody you know a local contractor in for a couple of days to try and get some of these jobs lifted to help you as well we've had big projects done in the summer at my school some really really big projects and so one of the years we said, right, I don't think you're going to get your PAT testing schedule done. So for that one year only, we're going to get somebody in and do the PAT testing just to take that pressure off. Yeah. And that is really useful for them as well, that they are supported and they've, you've got that visibility of what they're doing. I do always, I add things to the the planner as I go as well. And it's important that I say, oh, something popped into my head that I remembered. So I've added it onto the planner. Don't think that I'm adding mm. lots and lots of jobs here because <laughs> I'm sat here bored. But, you know, um, so it's not a surprise when they see that we're now building an extension at the side of the school. One final question on fault logging. And we've kind of touched on it, which is this idea about when staff are asking for things to be done or they're, they're flagging up issues that they've seen on the site. How do you get staff to start using that system? You know, because it's all right, you and your site manager saying we'll do it together, it's good. But if nobody else is doing it, how do you embed it or enforce it or promote it? Yeah, I think it's a really good question and and probably a, a common theme in many schools as well. And I think you can embed it because they will see the the value and the benefit of getting their jobs responded to faster. So, you know, say it's all very well, write it in the diary, but if you pop it in an email or if you add it onto the planner, then, you know, you could maybe just summarise in your weekly staff meeting. We've got these jobs going on at the moment and, you know, your request will get done by tomorrow. And I think if they see that speed and efficiency of that they're getting re- their requests responded to, then that mm. kind of supports the 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 goal of what you're trying to achieve and they will see the benefits in the outcomes that you're providing yeah no one wants to be at the back of the queue when it comes to getting the classroom sorted out do they absolutely absolutely and you're always going to get people that so you know it's a little bit like um what you've talked about in previous podcasts is that your lack of planning is not my emergency so yeah my, my jobs have to get fixed before anybody else's it does share it all out and there's real benefit in that as well and it it really does focus the mind on what you're mm. going to do because also for the caretaker's point of view as well he might have three plumbing type jobs and he can plan his day and get all those done and it really is a living breathing kind of way of working that really has a lot of benefits and there's so many more benefits to it than not um so that engagement and that buy-in is really really critical and being positive and communicating it I think is a key driver there I suppose making it easy for staff to do isn't it you know if you're not adding a process with six more steps in than they're used to yeah yeah that helps because it it can be done verbally so you can have that chat in the corridor to go oh you know I've got a bit of frayed carpet in my classroom because then the site manager could just add it to his app and then it's done yeah you know and he can say, and they can give, I keep saying he, of course there's women out there doing the job as well. Um, but they can say, yeah, I can have that done, you know, at break time or I'll have a look at it, you know, while the children are out at lunch and put due dates on it, you see. And it will flag up if it's, if it's late as well. So really useful. There is a danger, isn't there, in, as we know as business managers, but for site managers as well, just being purely reactive. And you could literally run around the building all day just responding to things, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. The the classic firefighting approach, literally. Hopefully you're not firefighting. Um, it is part of that relationship with your site manager. It is about the communication and it is about them being able to plan and prioritise their work. 
And we're really good at that as business managers. So we can help and we can support them, you know, and that's why it always comes back to that collaborative approach, really, that you can see if their volume is too much and you can also help see what the what the types of job are that they're being asked to do because some of the jobs may not be appropriate either. It's helping them to say no, isn't it, as well? Yes, very much so, yeah. Okay, so we've got tip number one, be nosy. Tip number two, know your site manager. Tip number three, get a good fault logging system. And tip number four is? Service maintenance schedule. <laughs> when I first started at my school, I didn't really have a handover. You're just in at the deep end. You're like, oh, right, okay. First role as a business manager, day one. What shall I do? Hmm, I wonder when, watched you when. So a service maintenance schedule I think has, has been really valuable. You know, I must admit it took me a couple of years to do it. It was on my list for a long time. Must do it. And historically, the previous caretaker, they'd booked a lot of contractors in the summer. So I'd be like, oh, when's this right. getting done? The summer. When's it getting done? The summer. And you're like, that. Mm, <laughs> really? Let me, you know, let me check. When's that getting done? The summer. And and I got a little suspicious of it, I have to say. Um, so this is where my nosy probing sort of power came came about, really. So it was beginning to be quite frustrating. And I was just writing checks for these contractors, for these jobs. And I was writing checks and I did change that. And that took a long time as well. But you start to when you see these invoices coming along, you then start to question, what is it that you're paying for? And that's really important as well. Mm. So I set up a spreadsheet and it is just a really simple spreadsheet. And I've set it as a performance management objective to maintain the spreadsheet as well. Now, some people could do that, some not, but it's whatever is going to work best for you. Now it's done and it did take a long time to do. It was completely worth it. And it's so invaluable now because I'm set, I'm budget setting at the moment. And it's absolutely key because I've I've added the nominal. And the description of, of where the expenditure is paid from, it really helps my budget setting. So yeah. when I had a look in readiness for this podcast, I've got 130 services listed and it includes wow. all the subscriptions. And we're a single, special, small academy, right, with 112 mm. kids and 130 services. So you can imagine what a huge 15 school mat has got and the services that they have. But I do include everything. So fire servicing, the subscriptions, my softwares that I buy, MS licensing, all things like that. I do have everything in it. And you don't actually, you could just do a purely health and safety um, maintenance schedule. It's been also really useful. We had a new site manager join and they were in the same position as me. So they didn't know what was due either. So it's really, really useful. So I had to start from scratch and I just started building it as the invoices came in for payment. And I would just add it on. And then I'd look historically on the finance system, you know, all oh, right. So we use this company here, this electrician. Well, I'll just look back on the history of their billing and see, mm. you know, when was the service done? When was the fixed wiring test done? What was the cost of that? And I just built in an inflationary increase, really, and from the, the due times as well of when the contract started and finished. So was it a 1st of April? Was it a 1st of September? And just built that in. So I did really start from scratch from it. We used an electronic calendar at school. So that was quite useful from looking back on the calendar after a site manager had left to see, oh, when was soft play serviced or, or when did they come in? So looking back on the calendar was quite useful too to see, you know, to build a, a schedule up. So the other system that we use as well, which has really, really been valuable, is a health and safety consultant. So for a fixed fee, they give you a compliance portal. And I love a portal and I love an action plan. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, I don't know any school business manager out there that maybe doesn't love a good portal because it what we can do now it will tell you when things are due and you upload the certificates into it and it gives you right. a little master dashboard and it rag rates you um and it also indicates how often something is to be serviced so there you can upload your lola certificates you put in the date when it was done from the invoice or from the certificate and then it will prompt you with an email of when it's due again so at a quick glance, it's a really, really useful tool 
to see when is due. It's also incredibly valuable for a trustees report and for the senior leadership team to be able to see it as well. It will list sort of the risk assessments that you can add on if you wanted to. Um, it can list the gas and electric servicing schedules and also our health and safety consultants. They will come out three times a year and do an audit. They do a really, right. really big audit in the summer and do your fire risk assessment at the same time. So this is where it comes in that you don't have to be an expert. You can just get a really good health and safety consultant and they will really help you support your school. And they have degrees in, you know, occupational safety, whereas I do not. It's like you say, you don't have to be an expert, but it's all rooted, isn't it, in systems and processes? Because health and safety is such, obviously, an important duty. It's part of safeguarding for our staff, our pupils. It's it's legal. There are consequences if we don't do it right. You know, so systems and processes are critical so I think if anyone's listening and they're, they're freaking out at all by what we're talking about, <laughs> just keep it in mind. Let's boil it down to systems and processes. How can we monitor? How can we check? And how can we evidence? Yeah. I don't have a face for prison, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on, just to kind of come back to this point of the service maintenance schedule. Now, people say that phrase and again, like I said, potentially freak out. So what would the headings be on that spreadsheet? Because it sounds a bit mystical and a bit official and formal. But how simple is it? It's extremely simple. If you looked at it, you'd be like, that. oh, right, five columns, okay. It, and it really is that basic. So just the description, the description of the nominal, the nominal, the supplier, the value, the start date, and just start from there. It really is as simplistic as that. And I could put a filter on it, and when I'm budget setting, I can say, right, let me just see who do I code against health and safety? And I can list all those people there. And then if an invoice comes in as well, I can also check to go, hmm, that's not on my schedule, you know, or are all of these people on my approved supplier list, which is also, yeah. you know, an audit recommendation as well. Um, so it ticks a lot of boxes and will help you. And it is very, very worth the investment in spending the time to do it. And I didn't do it for a couple of years and, you know, probably got my fingers burnt a little bit because of it. So in essence, don't panic. It sounds fancy because it's a, a service maintenance schedule, but really just make a note of those headings that we've just talked about and make a spreadsheet and get cracking. Yeah. And I'm happy to share it if anybody wants it as well. You know, we're all in this together. Not a problem if anyone well, wants to. I will make sure I share your contact details at the end. Okay. <laughs> okay. So moving on from service maintenance schedule, I feel like I've said that phrase a lot now. What's number five? <laughs> number five is contractors. Okay. Your site manager can't do everything. So it's that contractor management. Any large employer will have contractors visiting your site. Um, as an academy, you should have an approved suppliers list and they should be listed on it. You should also have a contractor's handbook. So when they sign in, they have a list of their health and safety obligations. Um, they will have to offer any uh hot works permits, working at height permits, and uh, you can direct them to any areas of asbestos within it. So it's that communication between the two. They know what their responsibilities are as they enter your building. You know what their responsibilities are in terms of working safely. Also, vetting the contractors is absolutely key to good estates management. It is critical that they're qualified and that they're members of a professional body and DBS checked. You should be satisfied that your chosen contractor can then do that job safely and without any risks, depending on what the job is. And again, you will get an instinct for it as well. And listen to your instincts. If they're asking for money up front or they're evasive when you ask them for their proof of public liability insurance or indemnities, walk away because they are not the contractor for you. And again, this comes down to like customer service. You are the customer, okay? You're paying for a service. If you're not happy with that service, then you should tell them or find someone else that can do it for you. Talking about contractors and talking about how important it is to get them vetted. And obviously you've mentioned DBS checks. And I think most business managers think of DBSs before anything else mm. in terms of vetting. But you mentioned qualified. So how do we know what professional bodies they need to be a part of or what permits they might need? Okay. You could look on your health HSE website to see what professional bodies they would be. There's also Trust a Trader uh, websites as well. Mm. And your insurer will be able to tell you as well. So 
you know, you're you're building a contents insurance. We use the RPA. They're a wealth of information. So use the resources and networks around you would be my suggestion, really. And if you're not sure, then ask. If you have a health and safety consultant, then seek their advice on this as well. And you say, you know, I've got a builder coming in or check with them. So I've got an asbestos surveyor coming in. What qualifications am I looking for? What professional bodies should they be members of? It's really important, isn't it, to do that due diligence and make sure you're bringing in the right people to do the right job with the right experience. Yeah. Word of mouth is really powerful too. So, you know, ask your your network of local school business managers, you know, if you're going to do a toilet refurb or you need, I don't know, your hydrotherapy pool servicing, you know, ask around who have you used, who would you avoid? Anything else on contractors? I'd check them on company's house and I would also um, request some testimonials. You know, when you're doing some big schemes of work, building a retention and make it clear what the payment schedule is going to be as well. You know, hold some money back and just say, right, I'll give you some, there's some funds up front to get materials, but I'm going to hold, you know, a thousand pound back if I'm not satisfied with the job and make that clear at the start as well. Quotes, you know, the classic three quote. So we've talked about different thresholds in a different podcast, but follow your own finance policy and know the audit will be going through every quote that you've had. Um, so I'm really clear with my governors. I do a little summary sheet of the cost of the quote and I give them the costs completely as I receive them. I provide the quotes as they've been sent to me. So everything's very transparent. And I kind of ask the questions that I believe my governors will ask. So what guarantees can you offer? Can you send me some testimonials? How long will the work take? Uh, things like that. But they could come from a framework. They could come from your approved supplier list. They could come from word of mouth. I met our playground contractor at a conference and I got my three quotes to get some playground equipment in. And why one supplier came in with an iPad and drew me a design almost there using OneNote. One guy just had a bit of scrap paper in his back pocket. And that's where your instinct mm -hmm. comes in. Who are you going to pick from them? Mm. You know, and have fun with some of the quotes that you have. If you are doing some renovations is um, get to pick your colours, have some say on it. These are the fun projects and you deserve to, to be able to make some choices on it as well. You know, this is a good part of the job. Be part of the decision making process and ask your stakeholders, mm. of course. But if, if choosing the paint colour is delaying the job getting done, then just pick it yourself. I like that, yeah, because sometimes you can try and be collaborative and it just makes everything just much more protracted. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, there are so many colours of blue and sometimes you just have to go that one and then just live with it and it's fine. You know, it really is fine. Okay, so that's contractors. That was tip number five. What's tip number six? Tip number six is walk the building. And we've we've talked about this already a little bit so far, but walk with your site manager and really critique the building so look up look down make a snagging list as you go by I find um and it's not often that I do it but I find closing up really valuable so sometimes I'll lock up the school and when you're walking in every classroom at night when everybody's gone it's really easy to see what needs doing um, yeah. I'd noticed the other day I walked into a classroom went to, to put the shutters down and it was roasting hot in there. It was really, really boiling. And I turned the thermostat, the thermostat wouldn't work. And the thermostat had broke and, and no one had said it. And I, I said to the teacher the next day, I said, oh, I locked up your room and it, it's roasting. She's like, oh, no, I, I can be meaning to, you know, mention it. So we got it fixed with, by like the next morning, you know, re mm. really dead easy. You know, you need to view the school in the stakeholders' eyes. So from the student's point of view, so the work environment for us all and for the parents to be happy about the building that they're sending their children to. You know, I've gone to view schools with my son when he was going to a high school and there's paint peeling off the walls and the radiators looking rusty. And I like, I don't I don't want my son to go to a school in, in that state of condition. You know, mm. it's not a good learning environment, is it? So... We really just walk and, and book it in. And, and what I'd say is don't put it off. It's so easy to, to push back meetings or reschedule. 
but really take the time to do it. You know, a, a good hour and a half walking around with just a piece of paper going, you know, reception, lick a paint or, you know, mud on the thing and look through it. Treat your building like a church, really. Look after it like it's your own and see the things that others don't notice. Um when I go around, I'm knocking on drain pipes. I look to see if a path's got an uneven surface. I look for drop bricks for any trip hazards. I look for cobwebs. I look to see if the sanitary bins are full. I see if the, the, the floors are clean right in the corners, trailing cables, loads of stuff I look at. You know, if there's fire doors wedged open, is, is fire exits blocked? Is there the health and safety poster in reception? All of these things, I really, really look at it through a really critical eye. And the only reason I do that is to improve how the building looks and how safe it is. It's all attention to detail, isn't it? Yeah, very, very much. And I walk through the building every day, but it's only when I'm kind of looking at my health and safety walk that I look at it in a different set of eyes. You know, our governors come in, we have a health and safety governor as well, and they do the same. And they're from a building background. So again, they see things, other things that I don't see. And also when our health and safety consultant does their full survey, they're looking at it again from a risk assessment perspective. So we're all looking at it with all these different eyes and perspectives, and we all see different things. And together, that's really, really useful. So definitely do a walk and say, come on, let's put this in. Let's have a walk around and see what we can do. Do you keep a record of these site walks? What I tend to do is I do proper just take a clipboard and some paper. We could add it onto our app if we wanted to on the planner, but then I just photocopy it. I have a copy, they have a copy, and then they will work through it. And then we meet up again Mm. in two or three weeks time and we do the same walk and we look at it again. I'll go, that one's done, that one's done. And he said, oh, you know, they might say, yeah, I've tried to do that, but actually I'm going to call in an expert to to look at this because when I, you know, peel back some some flashing, it's actually re- revealed a bigger problem. So it's another accountability system, isn't it? It's another way to communicate, you know, plan jobs and like say, factor them into the job that yeah. you've already got yeah. ongoing. And it's quite measurable as well. So it's really useful. You know, we come on to performance management and it is, you know, probably one of the last tips is if all of these things are failing within your school what are your options what can you do and all this builds a picture and a profile of evidence as harsh as it is you have to have the evidence of where there's been poor practice or poor management absolutely which leads us on nicely to tip number seven i know how slick was that it was like it was planned (laughs) it really was Okay, so when you say performance management, do you mean in the traditional sense of performance management or do you mean more broadly? I think in the traditional sense of performance management, in that if you feel that your jobs aren't being responded to timely, that there is no service schedule in place and it needs to be um, in that you're not micromanaging, but you're setting targets clear targets. And sometimes it might be in order to go down a capability route as well. So I always think with people and when we're working with people, what is determining their performance? Is it a training issue or is it a will issue that they just don't want to do it? They just haven't got it in their locker to do it as well. And this is where, you know, training and skills can be really, really important. And use the network of other site managers as well. I think that's a really undeveloped area that I don't think site managers talk to each other either. Like, We've started doing so so effectively as, as school business managers and, and school business leaders in our profession. There's such good practice out there and they're so, so important. But sometimes you have to go down the, the capability and performance management route. And I would ask the staff and I would ask the stakeholders as well, do their requests get done quickly? If you ask for a shelf to be put up, how long has it taken that? You know, what kind of response are you getting? Are obstacles being put in your way? Look at the responses that you're getting back. Feedback is so important and being honest. If you're not performing, you'd want to know that. You'd want to be told. Nobody wants to sit here and go, yeah, I'm I'm pretty mediocre at my job. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Um, if they don't know what the issue is, then they can't correct it. 
and you can say that in the gentlest of ways and in the simplest of ways and just set you know one or two achievable targets for them and it's really important to take the emotion out of it you know um and to be very very factual when you're performance management just say look you know be very clear last week I asked you to contact the council to replace the bins that the rodents have eaten have you done that or I've noticed that the fire drill records haven't been updated this term is there an issue is there something stopping you completing it do you need any help with that so you know as you're talking to them by having the conversations with them you build up a picture and then what you can say is look I've asked you to do these jobs twice now I think we need to take this on to the next step and then you can set you know some clear targets from either a reactive approach from a service schedule approach to how contractors are managed you know every school has a capability or a disciplinary policy use it don't be afraid of the process because ultimately it will impact on you if your building is not safe and the consequences just don't bear thinking about. You know, it's too important a job to let jobs not get finished or not have your building maintained or not have your building safe. It's just not mm. worth it. I have worked with some amazing site managers and I think it's so important as a business manager that you do have, you know, a quality site manager. They are worth their weight in gold. Very much, very much. Like the, like cleaning staff as well, you know. And I think sometimes we we take them for granted. They're, they're a constant. Yeah. They're there. They're there before you come to work. They're there when you go home. They're there in the snow. They're there in the rain. They're sweeping up the leaves. They're out in the cold. There's some fantastic site managers about, and then there's also not. <laughs> and the thing about site managers is they see things that we often don't see and hear things we don't hear. So they will be the first to notice some of these really critical things that might be going wrong with the building. Yeah, very much so. And also they they hear the students talk too, and that's just as valuable, you know, to say, oh, there's a funny smell in here, sir, or, you know, oh, look at that that dent in the in the playground or the swing swinging for you know all of those different things they've got to be eyes on every part of the building and it's tricky it's really difficult you know it's not easy so it's it's great that you 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 know you do talk to the other people it's important that you talk to everybody around it if you're going to go down the capability process and be clear have a think about what you want the outcomes to look like what do you want from going down this route? What do you want to see? If you would pick the, you know, the perfect site manager, what would that look like to you? And it's individual to your school and to your mats and to your your working day. And it's different things for, for different people in different schools. Okay, so that was tip number seven, performance management. So to summarise, we have got be nosy. We yep. have know your site manager we have get a good fault logging system we've got service maintenance schedules we have contractors we have walk building and we have performance management now we've covered a lot i know but if anyone's listening to this and they're still freaking out hopefully you're not now you're feeling quite reassured and you've got a very long to-do list but if they're still freaking out and they're thinking oh my god but where do i start what are the key areas that you advise them to look at first yeah and i would say don't panic as well you know um there are a lot of areas but if you're new in role or you're just starting out on this journey in estates management and you want to know more, there's some key important things. So fixed wiring tests, the electrics, has to be done every five years by a registered electrical engineer. You will get a report after your fixed wiring test and they will list your faults if you have any, and you likely will have some, of C1s, C2s, C3s. Now, your C1s are absolutely most dangerous electrical issues um we're talking shutting down your school shutting down an area um everything has to stop you must correct those immediately the same with your c2s as well just as important um but maybe not so much risk to life with a c2 gas servicing as well so registered uh contractor by gas safe completed annually Lifting equipment and lolas, if you have any passenger lifts, any type of lift in your school must be serviced and must have a lola certificate. 
alongside it. Pressure vessel checks, aka boilers, and you might have DT areas that might have pressure vessel systems in it, so it must be checked annually by mm. you know a registered contractor. Fire is huge in schools as well, so it comes from your fire equipment, your fire training, your risk assessments, your servicing records, your evacuation plan. Every school must have a competent person. You must be having regular fire drills. That also includes emergency lighting tests, fire alarm testing, a fire logbook, and also good housekeeping. It's so important, mm. you know, for avoidance of future fire issues is blocked panels, fire doors wedged open, exits blocked. You could do a whole topic on fire safety in, in one podcast, really. It is huge. <laughs> it's meaty and it's very, very important. But just take a commonsensical approach to it. OK, just and try and do one step at a time. If your house is really not in order, just do one thing at a time and involve a wider scope of people like your senior leaders mm. and the other managers in school you're not doing this alone um another key danger area is asbestos so you should have a register with photos now we have had a health and safety executive review our asbestos on a just on a random unannounced visit you know it's really nerve-wracking but i felt quite confident that we had a good asbestos register in. One of his recommendations, because we had photos, one of their recommendations was to highlight on the screen exactly where the asbestos register was. So you're like that, not a problem. You know, I'm doing that mm. today. Um, and the what type of asbestos that it is. And you're reviewing annually, but you don't have to be an asbestos checklist and you don't have to do it. Your site manager can do it. Or you want, you know, to get an asbestos surveyor in, then that's fine. But what you're checking is, is that it's fine to have asbestos in your school, but that it's maintained and it's not degrading. So it's not changing condition yeah. when you're checking it. You know, most schools do have asbestos in it. And if you leave it alone and it's complete and intact, there's no issue with it. Legionella as well. So have a specialist do your survey and then undertake an annual risk assessment and do your water checks and keep your records. Like keeping evidence is so important for any type of audit, really. And it gives the assurance to your trustees that you can produce your Legionella risk assessment, that you've all got it there in a folder. If you don't have the funds mm. or the budget to have like a health and safety consultant or a portal, just scan it in and set up your own system just with folders. You know, just set up a health and safety folder, gas, Legionella, fire, electricity, uh, risk assessments, checklists and have it that simple. And mm. then have a system in place for accident reporting and investigation. So there's some key elements of RIDOR, COSH and the Health and Safety at Work Act to bear in mind here. So there's some accidents that are reportable, really serious accidents like amputation, death, unconsciousness, being in hospital more than three days. COSH is your control of substances hazardous to health. Um, so that is how your cleaning chemicals and maybe science chems as well are kept and a mix and your cleaners will have a cost schedule and check that they do and also look at your security provision so intruder alarms cctv gate control lockdown policy a business continuity plan it all that will just support your your safeguarding and your reputation as well so yeah i'd say you know some of those are are your key danger areas and if all else fails and you really don't know what to do have a look at those first okay and just ask for help <laughs> ask for help you know don't think that you have to take all of this on yourselves you really don't okay so my mind is literally blown now i am estates management <laughs> up to the eyeballs um but hopefully you know, if anyone's listening and like i say you know i said this at the beginning if it's not your area if you don't feel comfortable or if you you just don't know what you don't know hopefully now you have a starting point you know where to go for help and obviously you know you can always ask claire yes by all means don't be afraid of the process you know it seems like a lot but just break it down so if anyone has got any questions for you claire where can they find you so if you need me, I'm on Twitter. My handle is at Walters underscore CLH27. 
fab. I'm sure you will get lots of DMs now. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Love Twitter. It's fab. <laughs> love a portal. Love an action plan. Now I love podcasts and do love a tweet now and again. So it's all good. It's fine. I think I've done that literally on every episode of Promoted Twitter. If you're not on Twitter, come and find us on Twitter because it's where we ask all these questions. It's a really, really great resource, you know, and quite amusing. And we need to have fun. We just need to have a laugh sometimes as well. Not take ourselves too seriously. It's really serious stuff. But to approach it with a sense of humour and to have fun in our work because we're at work for so long in our lives that, mm. you know, it's it's really important. I absolutely agree. And it's a great note to end on. You know, we're dealing with serious things, but it's important to have fun. So whatever happens, keep smiling, come and find us, ask for help. You don't have to do this alone. Absolutely. Definitely. Thank you so much, Claire. It's been really lovely speaking to you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom on estates management. Okay, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So exciting. It's ace. (laughs) I just want to reiterate what was said at the end there. You don't have to do this alone. I know firsthand how intimidating estates management can be, particularly as a new school business manager. So please, if you need help, reach out. The links to the various resources Claire mentioned throughout the episode are in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinessofeducation.co.uk. And of course, if you have any questions for either myself or Claire, you can find us on Twitter. Claire is at Walters underscore CLH27 and I'm at Laura LJ Business. Remember, this show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. You can rate and review the show by clicking on the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next week.